And then 2002, I had to go into the hospital for an ascending to descending aortic bypass. During that time, I survived an ischemic stroke to my spinal cord, which is an incomplete spinal cord injury, which put me into um, needing mobility aids to get around and some pain management and other issues. And that really was the final post-it note on the wall saying, you, you, you're best working from home remotely where you design websites, you sell on eBay, which I did for a while. Welcome back to the Work From Home Forever podcast, and on today's episode, we have Chris Mitchell, who's the owner and CEO of Define Yourself. Chris, welcome to the podcast, and please tell us a little bit about yourself. First of all, thank you very much for having me today. I'm honored to speak to you and your amazing audience. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm the founder and CEO, Chief Empowerment Officer at Hashtag Define Yourself. I'm a Caucasian male wearing a vibrant blue baseball cap and vibrant blue polo shirt with Hashtag DFIS, Hashtag Define Yourself on it. I'm also a person with a disability, actually multiple disabilities. I'm visually impaired. I'm physically disabled. I have, uh, I'm neurodiverse with ADHD, and I'm a mental health warrior who battles um, severe reoccurring seasonal affected depression. And again, thank you for having me on your show today. Thanks definitely for reaching out to us, Chris. Definitely wanted to have you on. Your story is very interesting. You know, one of the things that stood out to me was in your survey, you described that the traditional employment route as a person with a disability is difficult to acquire. So can you please tell us about your journey and your experience in previous, you know, traditional employment roles? I'll be happy to. Yes. Now, when I was younger, I only had my visual disability and my ADHD. So for a while, I was not physically disabled until my mid thirties. And it was difficult to find employment because of my vision. I was not able to drive. So you're limited by public transportation, where it can take you to when it's available or walking distance from your residence to for potential jobs. Once I became physically disabled, that added another challenge to me, finding employment where it would be accessible, where the building's accessible, where I can get in and out of it safely with my mobility equipment. Now, that was when I was living in California. Then I moved here to Missouri, my home state. I'm from Missouri, originally St. Louis. I'm in the southwest corner now near Joplin, Missouri. And we barely have a paratransit system, which is where it's door-to-door service for people with disabilities. So we don't have any public transportation. The paratransit system runs from like 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Saturday. So very limited on the hours that I can even find employment. I have been employed in the past, but it's very difficult to get a job when you are disabled and you go to the interview and you're in mobility equipment or you're taking a white cane with you. But it's not impossible because I have convinced an internet service provider when I lived in California to hire me when they weren't hiring anyone while holding my white cane in my hand. So it can be done, but it's very challenging because of the the logistic barriers that we have in our society. And unfortunately, because of some biases, certain people, not everybody, but certain people have in the workforce discriminating against people with disabilities because of the disability or they worry about, you know, accommodations for them or liability for their safety on their premises. So that has been a very big challenge for myself and others in uh, my community, the disabled community. 
Thanks so much, Chris. I know that this messaging, the perspective from you know employed and folks that are are disabled, uh, this is something that we have not had on the show. So I really appreciate you coming on and tell your story. From your perspective, what ways, either overtly or covertly, did you experience discrimination in the workplace? Can you can you tell us a little bit more about that? There have been wonderful jobs I've I've gotten, but it's been very hard um, to acquire employment because you know you can't really come out and say we don't want to hire you because you're disabled because that can lead into a lot of lawyers and expensive money for businesses but because of my visual impairment my other senses are enhanced including my auditory senses of of hearing sounds and i can tell in a person's voice what they're not trying to say by their words, because most people are visual and they think, well, I got to watch my body language, my facial expression, and they don't guard how they speak and the tone of voice and the words they use or don't use. So I could usually tell when I went to an interview within a few minutes, I have a chance of getting this job or this guy just humoring me and trying to, you know, save himself from having a discrimination lawsuit. And I can also tell by the voice that they're comfortable talking to me because of my disability or that they're very uncomfortable because they don't know how to ask questions and, and stay within the guidelines of what you can and cannot legally ask. And am I going to offend somebody by asking them the question? So they feel like they're walking on eggshells. Egg so when I did an interview for traditional jobs, I usually came in there and I just addressed the elephant in the room about my disability. And I'd rather just be upfront about it and deal with it. And if they're not comfortable with it, I don't want to sue them. I'm not going to go through all of that. That just tells me that's a place that I don't need to be at. And somebody else will value my talent that I offer to a company. But Unfortunately, like where I live now, not a real possibility. So I had to go all in on working from home as a person with a disability, self-employed. No, perfect. Thank you for, for that. Actually, one of the follow-up questions I had in your comments, just kind of lead right into it is, what advice do you have for people leaders in the workplace to, to better support team members with disabilities? Well, you want to make it a friendly and accommodating workspace. And there's a lot of there's a lot of details. I mean, I could talk about this probably for 30, 45 minutes, but some of the bullet points and I'm not going to touch all of them. So, you know, I'll get to the ones that I can I think are most important is ask people, how can we accommodate you and not in a derogatory way, or maybe a better way of wording it would be how can we support you? Because when you hire somebody whether they work in an office or work remotely from home, you want them to do the best job that they can for you. And to do that, they got to have the right tools and right support. And maybe that could be a screen reader for somebody who's visually impaired or adaptive software in the computer. So if they have mobility issues, they can talk or dictating into a computer, any of that software to support them and encourage and give them the best opportunity to be successful in the team. But also there's a lot of people in our in the disabled community who do DEI, which is diversity I forgot the E and the I, but it's equity and inclusion. That's right. Thank you very much. That will also tell you that if you tell somebody who is neurodiverse how to work better with the team, you need to also tell the team how to better communicate to somebody who has neurodiverse issues um, such as autism. So, you know, it's not just trying to encourage the person with a disability to fit into your culture, but how your culture can fit in with them so everyone can work together for the end purpose of creating a successful business. Yeah, it's all about that fit, right? Making right. sure that the right person fits with the right organization and everyone's valued and they're contributing. So it makes it makes a ton of sense. Exactly. 
So Chris, you mentioned that you've been working remotely off and on since 1992 and fully remote since 2000. So was there a specific experience or realization in 2000 where remote working was the only option for your career going forward? Uh, yes. In 2000, I was working part-time on campus for a college job running a computer lab. And I was also starting an eBay business out of my home. And which, you know, is kind of remote, but you know, that's what I was doing. And then because I was also going to college, trying to finish my AS and my AA. And I had an encounter with an English instructor. And the long, long story short is I smarted off to him, which happens with ADHD. That time I was not well medicated and did not have it regulated. And I wound up in a meeting with the Dean of the college and I got myself expelled from the college. And that was very painful for me. But instead of letting that obstacle or challenge stop me from pursuing my goal to be a productive member of our society, despite my disability, I decided I'm just going to go all in on working on eBay. And I did that for a couple of years. And then 2002, I had to go into the hospital for an ascending to descending aortic bypass. During that time, I had... I survived an ischemic stroke to my spinal cord, which is an incomplete spinal cord injury, which put me into um, needing mobility aids to get around and some pain management and other issues. And that really was the final post-it note on the wall saying, you, you, you're best working from home remotely where you design websites, you sell on eBay, which I did for a while. Then I've written, I've written two books. I'm working on my third right now that I do from home. I do, I do virtual events, pub, uh, virtual speaking to groups. I do it all from home with very little interaction with the outside world because of mobility issues and transportation issues. And frankly, the world has gotten way too people for me since COVID. People have lost the ability to be decent to one another in public. So I prefer to work from home, actually. So so yeah, that in a long roundabout way, I've answered your question, added in my own editorial comment. Yeah, it's, it sounds like you, you certainly went through a lot. Do you feel like you were forced into it or this was, you know, a, a choice that you, you knew that you had to make I, just from a, I mean, if you could think back to that, there's a lot of things going on with you. Like, right. how was your mindset approach, you know, to that? Was it like you were running to something or running away from something? I don't know if that's the right phrase or not. No, no, no that's a, a great question. Uh, I don't think it was either. And I don't think I was forced into it. I chose to it. I've been a person with a disability all my life. And whenever a, what a lot of people say an obstacle is, a barrier, a limitation is, I see them as a challenge. And I have this model. I eat challenges for breakfast. So I thought, okay, this is not working out for me. Working at the college, I got myself expelled. I lost my job there. What am I going to do? I'm going to do this. I enjoy doing this. I enjoy um, being on eBay. I love the challenge of it. I like working from home. It's very accommodating for me. I don't worry about a bus breaking down or a bus driver strike or anything like that. I can make my own hours, my own decisions. I'm my own boss. So I embraced it. I thought it was kind of a gift that God was pointing me in the direction he wanted me to go. And I just accepted it. Perfect. One of the things you talked about, I think you addressed it now in just uh, the last couple of comments here was that I've asked guests in the past if they consider themselves extroverts or introverts. And based on your description, I would say maybe you fall into that introvert class. Is that, is that fair to say? <laughs> it's a weird answer. It, yes and no. 
In my personal life, I'm very much an introvert. I have social anxiety. I don't like small talk at all in my personal life. But you get me on camera here, or if I'm at an event doing something or public speaking, I'm very much an extrovert. I used to do morning radio. And if you want to succeed in morning radio, you cannot be an, an introvert. So when there's like two Chris's, a professional Chris who's very extroverted and a personal Chris who's very introverted and most of the time I'm more introverted, but I can be very extroverted when necessary. But the introvert part, yes, that is a part of me. And I do think that that works well being self-employed and working from home where I don't have to deal with the stress and the anxiety of being around a lot of people that I'm not comfortable around. I'm comfortable. I mean, I've been married 20 years. My wife and I get along wonderful. I'm very close to her and we connect well. But other people, I just, you know, I like to... Let's just do what we need to do, and thank you for your time, and we move on. I don't really, I don't do well at making close connections with people. I wish I did, um, but I think that's part of my neurodiversity that I struggle with that. So yeah, I'm, I'm an introvert. I, I consider myself an introvert slash extrovert, more introvert than extrovert because I think everyone. I don't think anyone is full, full on introvert or full on extrovert. I think we all fit somewhere in the scale, leaning to one side or another, but not fully on one side or fully on the other. Yeah. And I, I would probably, I say this a lot on the show actually, but uh, I, I would say I align pretty closely with you, you know, where, Hey, I'm in the work workplace or some, you know, certain social situations. And uh, if I'm feeling, if my social battery is charged, then happy to uh, engage and, and whatnot. But in general, I think I tend to be more introverted, you know, smaller groups, yeah, smaller groups and, you know, big, large social settings. So un I totally understand Actually, I, and one of one of the follow up questions, right, is that there's a lot of talk these days about loneliness as an epidemic. You just talked mm -hmm. about the comment that you know you wish you, you 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 were able to make you know more personal connections. So, from your view, how much is remote work contributing to the loneliness epidemic? My answer is, I think it does contribute a lot. I think people who are not disabled, persons who without a disability, who went through COVID and were in the isolation period where they stayed at home and did not really connect with people. And some of them have chosen to continue to work from home and stay at home or experiencing what many in the disabled community has experienced for years or decades, the isolation that we deal with on a daily basis because of some of the issues I mentioned before, public transportation, accessibility, getting a job, those type of issues that we battle with on a, every single day for years and years. I do struggle with loneliness at times um, because in California, I was able to get out more than I am here in Missouri. But one of the things that helps with my loneliness is doing these interviews with people, hosting my own podcast, doing virtual events. Zoom has been a wonderful invention to help cut down some of the loneliness. But still, even though you do Zoom meetings or StreamYard or whatever you want to use, I wish some of these people would pay me for mentioning the names, but they don't. So... It's, I'm not getting paid for the endorsements here. Uh, it, it does not replace the actual one-on-one -on -one connection you can have with a person in the real world, but it does help. Yeah, hey, I, I would definitely agree with you. It's uh, there's there's nothing like being in a in a restaurant with someone or having drinks, a cup of coffee with somebody. You know, Zoom's just as as good as it is, and also the unique engagement features there are on all these platforms. It's just it's just not the same. So, hundred percent no, agree. Hey there, work from home forever fans. It's Don, your friendly host. 
if you're as passionate about the show and remote work as we are, we've got something special for you. Our exclusive merch. Explore the fantastic collection at wfhforever.com slash shop featuring a range of official goodies curated by the Work From Home Forever team. Not only do these items let you showcase your love for remote work, but they also make fantastic gifts for your virtual teammates. Plus, every purchase goes a long way in supporting the show. We've teamed up with Etsy to fulfill your orders, ensuring a seamless and trustworthy shopping experience. Head over to wfhforever.com shop now Discover the perfect style for you, and thank you for being a part of our community. Now, let's dive back into our exciting episode. So Chris, in the survey, you talked about your rigid approach to the workday where the door is closed and you're working, and when you're not working, the door to the office is physically closed off, and you know you sort of uh, you know clearly define your boundaries. So how do you make sure your family members respect those boundaries? Well, I have one. Fa- I have two family members: my wife and my cat. And my wife knows that I'm working during the day. She's she's home now. She's in long-term uh, disability. She's um, strongly and doing well at this point, battling stage four metastatic breast cancer. So oh, um, during the day, she is in the living room in uh, the recliner. I go check on her. I can talk back and forth with her with my. AI, I can't say her name is right in front of me. It would trigger it. Um, so, the one from Amazon. So we, I could chat with her, but she knows the hours I'm working. I have a sign on my door that right now says is a meeting in progress. So she knows not to come in. Other times it would say um, knock before entering. So she respects that. Keeping the door closed during the day. I don't hear the noise of the TV she's watching in the other room or distracted by any conversations she has with people on the phone. And the other reason I keep the door closed during the day, my cat likes to come in here during the day and be a part of my world, which I don't mind if he gets in the window and, and curls up and naps. But when I'm doing a video conversation with somebody, he likes camera time and he has gotten on camera and um, turned his backside towards the camera and unfortunately mooned a meeting once. So he's kind of prohibited from the office. So I do have that sign. And then in the evenings, I go out there and I give my wife my full 100% tension, undivided attention. I have my email set up that I have two email addresses primarily. I have the one that you communicated with me uh, with which I'm not going to say on air. Then I have another one that I give to everybody else. So only the most important email beings on my phone. The rest go into a folder through Outlook. So in the evening, I don't say, "Oh wow, the email." Oh, it's just a newsletter. So it's, I I use the filtering on my Outlook to keep that separate from you know on my personal time because you got to have a work life balance and you got to set boundaries and you got to be firm with those boundaries. And and I, I don't really have have much trouble with people respecting my family. It took a little bit of adjusting originally to get my wife and other family members on board. Look, during the day, I'm not in here playing video games. I'm actually working. But it took about six months to get everyone trained. But now everyone respects that I actually do work during the day. Yeah, that's that's great. I think it's uh, it just sort of has become routine, right? Yeah. yeah everyone sort of knows Monday through Friday or whatever hours you you keep. This mm-hmm. is uh this is the this is how you know this is how life goes in the uh, the Mitchell household. So perfect. That's correct. Yeah, good. Now I, I know you you just uh, shared with us and you shared with, on the survey as well that uh, your wife is uh, bravely battling stage four uh, metastatic uh, breast cancer, and I know you talked about how 
the remote work gives you that opportunity to spend time and and help provide care for her. So I can't even imagine the kind of stress that your family is under during that time. So Chris, if, if you didn't have this opportunity to work flexibly, how would how would one even begin to manage caring for your sick partner if they were had to go into the office full time? I, I have no idea how someone does that. I know people have done it. I had a friend who worked in morning radio and had to come into the studio and do his show in the morning. And then he had to be at the station doing production to two while his wife was at home battling her own journey of breast cancer. And I don't know how he did it, except he used that time when he was on the air to be completely funny and wild and, and just dove into his work where he, it blocked him his mind from thinking of, and being worried about his wife. So he used that as an escape from it. But personally, I don't know how somebody would do it. I don't know if I could do it because I would be constantly worrying. Is my wife okay? Is she in pain? Is she doing stuff like she has the cancer in her, her spine? Is she lifting something she should not be lifting because I'm not there to get that for her? it would drive me up a wall. I would, I, I don't know how well I would be able to focus. And those that are able to do that or do it out of necessity, I admire them for being able to do that and, and doing that. I just don't know if I could do it. Uh, my wife and I have been very close. Uh, we were engaged when I had my incomplete spinal cord injury and she stayed at the hospital 24 hours a day by my bedside wow, until I got into a rehab hospital. So we have a very close relationship and that I think factors into why it would be such a distraction to me in a traditional job. Yeah, that's, that is definitely, I mean, it sounds like you guys have, have endured a lot and uh, been there for one another. So it's nice that your work situation, your, your ability to be at home, be with her is you can support her in, in this, uh, you know, this challenges fight for, you know, um, that she's going through. So uh, I think that's great. Um, yeah. One of the things that happens with the fight, I'm sorry to interrupt you, no, no, um, fine. but from working from home and working for myself, I can attend every single one of her oncologist appointments and every one of her procedures. I'm there with her. And that's one of the benefits I found working for myself, working from home. Yeah, absolutely. You you can you're you're the boss, right? So you can schedule right. you can schedule everything around your schedule and and be flexible. So which is uh which absolutely. Is great. Chris, your best piece of advice to remote workers is to have a lot of self confidence. So yes, can you walk us through how you've gained confidence to overcome hardships you know, while working from home? Uh, yes. Uh... I have the thing that I talk about called success balloons. And, and I, the reason I use a balloon for a metaphor is I love hot air balloons. My wife and I love watching the Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta. In the morning, they have what's called mass ascension. Well, all the balloons rise up in the air above everything, the gravity, the trailers at the park, the, the, the skyline, everything. And what I do is I reflect upon every success I've had in my life before, every single one of them. And whenever I feel like I'm not sure if I have the confidence to do that, I go and look at the success balloons, which uh, I know I know our listeners are, I can't see this, I'm pointing at it, I shouldn't. I have a wall behind me that uh, has all these awards and certificates I've earned. So when I do feel like, am I confident enough to take on this challenge? Can I do this? I can turn around and look at the awards I've earned from my volunteer work for being named co-disabled employee of the year in Stanislaus County in, in California and all the certifications I've earned in my coaching business to remind myself I can do this and that boosts my self-confidence by creating 
my success wall and using the imagery of success balloons to help me celebrate and remember all the things that I once thought were impossible that I did do and that gives me the confidence to take on new challenges on a daily basis. No, that's great. I have not heard of it like that. I, I've actually never um, seen uh, hot air balloons, you know, rise, at least not, you know, in to that extent that you described. So that that's pretty neat. So Chris, one of your must-haves to work from home is a good support system of people who you can interact with either in person or outside of work virtually or via social media. So what are some of ways for you to build or expand these support systems? I know you talked about maybe that's a way for you to improve on that, but you know, what are the ways that you've, you've had success in building those networks? Well, it is a struggle for me because like I mentioned, being neurodiverse and all, so I don't really blend well with other people. But uh, one thing that I do recommend I do myself as a person with disability is to join other disabled communities on social media and network with people. I've done that in a way that I met this one person um, who was a guest of my podcast and we have developed a friendship and we just meet one, about once a month via Zoom and we just visit each other and, and we keep in touch in email and social media posts and we've actually done a, present, a virtual presentation together for the disabled community and we're working on another one for uh, this coming March. So just networking with people in the in your own communities or interests you have a hobby whatever and and find people who are like-minded um, your vibe will attract your tribe just be your authentic self and one thing i would caution people with disabilities to do there's a lot of people in the disabled community maybe not a lot but there's they, they seem like a lot because they they, they, they're loud and will tell you all the things wrong with being disabled, how ableism, the ableist society and ableist, which we won't go into the definitions of those right now, will hold you back from success. And you hear enough of that and around those kind of people all the time, negative people, that's going to limit you. You want to make sure the people you hang out with online, socially, you interact in the world are uplifting, supportive, and positive. You don't need uh, people who are downers who are going to tell you what you can't do. That's going to hold you back. You want to find people who are going to encourage you. And when you're having a rough day, say, you know what? I know you can do this and, and be there for you. That's that's great advice. You know, I think there's a thing out there. I, I may butcher this, but uh, you are the product of the five people, you know, that are in your close so social circle, right? So uh, if you surround yourself with negativity, you're probably going to breed negativity and, and it's just going to be this, this, this spiral. So great feedback on uh, looking and focusing on the positives. Absolutely. Great. So I know we talked a little bit about define yourself uh, at the intro. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about the podcast or the define yourself program. So what can you tell us, Chris, if there's folks that uh, want to find out more about, about Chris Mitchell? Well, uh, thank you for the opportunity to share with your audience this as well. Uh, yeah, hashtag find yourself is what it means basically is the name of my business, obviously, but don't let anything or anyone tell you what you can and cannot do or what you can and cannot achieve. Only you can define what you can do and only you can define what success you can create. Don't don't give that power away to anyone else. And through my business, I do have some podcasts that are launching in January, two of them. One's called Successful, Self-Employed and Disabled where we have guests on who are successful, self-employed and disabled and learn about their journeys and the role self-confidence played in that. I also have another one starting called Success 
starts for self-confidence, which are going to be like little five-minute episodes once a week that are like micro-coaching sessions because, as I mentioned earlier or alluded to earlier, I am a certified confidence coach, and we are that's the focus of this, to help you develop self-confidence because no matter what they tell you you should do to create success, None of that's going to reach your fullest potential of success until you have the confidence and believe in yourself that you can do it. And I do that through my coaching program as well. Success starts for self-confidence and my upcoming book, Success Starts for Self-Confidence, the book. Notice the branding there so it gets drilled into your head. And I do have a free gift for your audience if they would like to find out three steps they can start doing today to develop, discover develop and grow their self-confidence. I have a cheat sheet called Success Starts for Self-Confidence, your next three steps to self-confidence. And that's available from a special URL, successstartswithselfconfidence.com. And Don being a wonderful, amazing person, I bet he's putting a link to that in the show notes for you. Yeah, absolutely. We will. We will uh, link to that uh, URL so folks can check out and get the, uh, the three steps that you just talked about. And uh, we'll link to your LinkedIn profile and uh, make sure that people want to find out more about Chris and and uh, all the all the talk on on self confidence and how people can uh, you know improve their their outlook. Uh, we'll definitely want to make sure that they connect with you. So, um, Chris, before we go, we've got uh, some rapid fire questions. If you still sure. uh, have some, time. I'm ready for them. Perfect. So, question number one: Would you retire tomorrow if money were no object? No, I cannot imagine doing nothing, sitting and watching TV the rest of my life. No. And my wife says I'm not allowed to retire because my ADHD would drive her up an, up a wall. Great answer. I like that. As an entrepreneur, what's the best piece of advice you would give to would-be entrepreneurs? Research what you want to do. And, and learn everything you can and constantly learn more about whatever field you're going into and believe you can do it. If you can believe it, you can achieve it. Um, yeah, so preach. I love that answer. Definitely, uh, I love the positivity. Right, it, it's it's always the the outlook. So I, I like that answer a lot. Uh, question number three: Did you ever go to a job interview and immediately know this is not the place for me? No, no, I never, never have. I've been to job interviews where I thought this guy is not going to hire me because he's uncomfortable talking to me as I sit here in my wheelchair. But never been to a job interview where I thought this is not the job for me. Was it a, a, just a follow-up question on this? Was, you, was it just because your mindset is just generally very positive? I think it's very positive. And any job that I applied to, I knew that it was something I was interested in doing. Okay, great. Chris, final question for me. What did you learn from your first boss that helped you shape your career? Hmm. What I learned was not actually from my first boss, but from a teacher. In ninth grade, I got expelled from high school because of an ADHD issue, and I had behavior problems. And up until that point, every time I got in trouble, my parents and others made me consider that was part of my behavior, and that was part of my identity. She would always tell us when we misbehaved in class, we were a classroom full of kids with behavior problems. I like you. I don't like your behavior. And that taught me a very important lesson in life. I, no matter what I do in my life, I make a mistake or whatever, that does not mean that is who I am. I can still be a wonderful, amazing person. And I think in a way, that was kind of a building block, a foundational block for what I do today. Hashtag define yourself. Don't let anything or anyone define you. You define yourself. 
Chris, well, that is, uh, I think, the perfect uh, note to end on. I love the positivity. Yeah, I love the positivity. I mean, I think it's just it's just a, the, the best message, right? To just keep moving forward, keep making yourself a, a better version or keep improving. And uh, thank you, Chris, for being on the show. Thank you again for having me. All right, take care.